Cortez to throw. Down the left side to fade. LaVisca's in the end zone. Over the shoulder. Catch is made by LaVisca Chenault. Touchdown. Touchdown, Colorado. How do you cover that man? Well, second down at 8 for the 16. Coletta, play action. Hit by Terrence Slang, and he's sacked inside the 10 at the 9-yard line. Terrence Slang, there's no better-looking football player. Takes a snap, dropping the throne. He's got time. Downfield, KD Nixon, backpedaling, one-handed crab outside the 20 in the 15-yard line. Oh, what a catch by KD Nixon. Between the hashes, moving left to right, loopily, shotgun snap. Gives the inside handoff, and that thing is blowing up that time. Oh, what a play by Landman. I mean, as soon as it was handoff, Landman was right there, and you can hear the pads popping all the way up here in the broadcast booth. Holy cow, what a play. Montez fake handoff, turns the corner, and there he goes. 2015-10-5, touchdown, Steven Montez. Holy cow, he had the fake, and he rolled out to his left, and he was so alone, it looked like he was late for school as he went trucking in. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. Tyler, your place of employment. Thanks for carving a little time out here. Yeah, a little bit of a switch up. Sorry about that today. <laughs> we were supposed to do this later tonight, but I have to be here all night now. So, because Red Sox are in town, we're going to be crazy. So he's nice enough to come down, and we'll get this done in the afternoon. And uh, you know, a couple hours earlier, you guys will get to hear us talk about Game One. <laughs> so the last podcast we did was right before camp started. Uh, we haven't caught up since then, even during the open practice. The media was kind of sequestered that day. Based mm-hmm. on your observations at that practice, everything you've heard, read this preseason, what, what are just kind of your general overall thoughts? I think, you know, we, I think we discussed this on the last pod, and it kind of became more and more accurate to me, is that I think this team is a lot more talented than the national perception would tell you. Uh, they definitely have not just LaVisca Chenault as an elite guy. I mean, I think there's a couple other draftable players on this team. The running backs, I think, are probably better than people are expecting. And honestly, I think probably the wide receivers are going to be better than people expect too, outside of, obviously, the hype that LaVisca has gotten. So to me, I think it's the same issues that we had moving forward. The schedule's brutal. There's not a lot of games that you can say for sure we're going to win this game. I think we're only going to be favored in two games all year, maybe three. And obviously it's tough to predict a whole bunch of wins based on that reality. And we've spent 15 years not really watching it happen. So I guess, you know, Mel Tucker's going to come in. The mindsets need to change and all that. I I think this team will be really competitive. I think they'll be a pretty fun group to watch. I just don't know how much it's going to translate into wins just because I'm not sure the schedule really allows for it. We're going to go position by position and kind of give the latest with all the camp news, we're going to get some predictions, and we're going to get into the Buff Stampede mailbag. You've heard us promote the Ever Pillow on Buff Stampede Radio for over a year now. You know this revolutionary pillow is your ticket to better sleep. You also know the Ever Pillow is fully customizable. Simply add or remove the natural fill to get the pillow exactly how you want it. No chemicals, memory foams, or cheap polyfoams. If you still haven't, please visit infinitemoon.com and purchase your Ever Pillow today. You can use Go Buffs to save 10% off in the cart. Support a Colorado company that loves the Buffs and makes an amazing product. And it's also a pillow with a great purpose. They help employ former addicts, homeless, and felons, giving them a second chance at life. 
You know, there's going to be a lot of late nights with Pac-12 after dark this fall. When the last game finally ends, make sure you have a pillow that's going to help give you amazing sleep. Again, go to InfiniteMoon.com to purchase your EverPillow. Always free delivery and a 100-day risk-free trial. Before we fully dive into what occurred this preseason in Boulder, one piece of recruiting news, Tyler. Stacy Sneed becomes commit number 16 for the Buffs earlier this month. From Texas, uh, pretty highly regarded. Some other power conference options, a, a three-star, pretty versatile offensive weapon. Yeah, I don't feel like we're surprised that often about kids committing. This was definitely a shocker to me simply because of the position. Um, they basically had told us they weren't going to take a running back this year. Um, so, I mean, he's obviously a very talented guy, had a lot of offers at position or at schools that run similar offenses to what we'll see, so that's always nice. Getting kids from Texas is always big. I love that, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if if you sometimes if you get a guy talented enough, you got to take a chance at him. What's interesting too is he ha- has yet to visit Boulder. Right. Yeah. His uncle played for the Buffs, but he's not come out yet. He's got. I think it's going to be the Nebraska game. He's going to come out. Not often do you see a guy that has multiple power conference options commit before visiting a school. So mm-hmm. obviously, credit to Darren Hagen and the relationship he created there. Darren Cheverini, of course. His name always comes up with recruiting. Was the, right. the secondary recruiter? Yeah, there. his de- his family members must really love CU to convince him to commit without even coming up there. Yeah. So we've heard this preseason that the CU receivers are getting the best of the Buffalo's defense. We expect Colorado's receiving core to be among the best in the Pac-12, if not the country. Is it just they're that good? Because at least a cornerback. It's not like you lost anything there. Dante Wigley's out of the program, but he wasn't going to play anyways. Right. Trey Udofia moved to safety because he probably wasn't going to play at cornerback. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the answer is always the same, a little bit of both. Obviously, there aren't a lot of defenses in the country that are going to be able to stop LaVisca Chenault, period. So no surprise that our secondary isn't going to either. I'd, I would love to see what, specifically what they're talking about, those other matchups. That's where I'd really be concerned. Like, if you're really struggling to – guard KD and Dimitri Stanley and Tony Brown and Daniel Arias, then I'd start to be more concerned. Are we matching up well against those guys, or is it really LaVisca that's... It's not just LaVisca in their second scrimmage. LaVisca wasn't even able to go, and they were making a lot of plays uh, as a group. Cool. Then, yeah, I think there's definitely cause for concern until they prove otherwise. You know, I mean, those are all good wide receivers, starting caliber wide receivers in the Pac-12, but... You don't want to be getting beat up and down the field every time through. It should be more of a, okay, you made a play, now I made a play type situation. It does sound like the Buffs' defense has made strides since the end of installation. That makes sense. You're multiple on defense. You have a lot of newcomers on that side of the ball. If you're swimming mentally, you're not going to play fast. You know that right. cliche that McIntyre always talked about. What was it? Uh, preparation equals knowledge equals playing fa- Confidence yeah. equals playing fast. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, it makes sense. They've dialed it back now, and they're getting into game week mode. It makes sense now that they're starting to fly around a little bit better. There's some uh, wood to knock on here, Tyler. No season-ending injury suffered during preseason camp. Yeah, baby. That's pretty crazy. It's been a while since that happened, I feel like. Mel seems to be a little quieter on injuries, so I'm hoping Absolutely, that, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm hoping we don't just find out the day of the game, oh, by the way, these three guys are out for the year. <laughs> that, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, there no might be somebody like John Van Deest had an ankle injury. It's, it sounds like he's going to be okay, but, uh, yeah, they're not going out of their way to announce every nick right. and bruise that, that's taking. So you feel like they would tell you if someone was out for the year? Like I do. That would get announced. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, 
you know, obviously that makes your job harder when we can't, we don't even know who's going to play until they get out there. But yeah, I mean, overall, really healthy fall camp. I mean, that's what you need. There's definitely some depth issues on this team. So yeah, let's do a real quick rundown. Started quarterback, obviously, Steven Montez is number one, and it sounds by all accounts that he had a good preseason uh, and that he's in good position entering the season. The one minor surprise for me on the depth chart was that. Tyler Lytle and Blake Stenstrom are co-backups. Right. Obviously, this week they're preparing one of them to be the backup because you need to get that guy more reps. But that tells me yeah. Blake Stenstrom, uh, he's in the mix, and, and he's a guy to you know that's going to be part of the discussion going into 2020. Yeah, I mean, it tells me Tyler Lytle hasn't taken the necessary steps to win that job, which is a little bit concerning for me. Um, Obviously, with Sam Neuer switching positions, you'd feel like, okay, so Tyler Lytle has won that battle, but it doesn't really seem like that's been the case. Blake Stenstrom is more coming up to those guys rather than Lytle separating. Uh, yeah, I mean, Montez, Mel's had nothing but positive things to say about him all camp, basically. He's usually pretty straightforward about his thoughts. So, to me, I'm sure they he's ready to go. Obviously, if he stays healthy, he's going to be the guy all year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think from Lytle, you'd like to see him – separating a little bit more because I think most people expect him to take over the position next year. At running back, Alex Fontenot hangs on to the number one spot. I heard it came down to just a little bit more consistency in pass protection and ball security. But Jaron Mangum did move up from third on the Jeff chart ahead of Deion Smith to number two. He's got that it factor. Mm. But, yeah, you can't be putting the, the ball on the ground if you if you want to be th- this team's lead back. Right, yeah, you'll get sat down pretty quick. Because I think they maybe those guys behind him have a little bit of work to go, but I don't like, oh, they can't play at all. So if Mangum isn't doing the necessary things, he's obviously going to fall down pretty quick. Uh, I'm not surprised. Obviously, I've been saying I like, I've liked Fontenot for a long time. Uh, to me, he's just a little more consistent. I think he has that extra burst. I think he's going to be able to get some of those long – longer plays i'm a little surprised that Deion smith isn't more in the mix right now because he's looked pretty good from all accounts from what we've been able to see i do think he'll he'll get a chance in game day and if he does yeah. well with that then i mean i don't think anything's set there yeah it'll do be you, interesting to see how much they use both of them if you had a place of bet for friday night Fontenot or mangum who do you think has more rushing yards against the rams Fontenot. think so yeah okay yeah it seems like they like Mangum a little bit more in the passing game, maybe too. I know, and I, I do like I do like them ending up at one two because I feel like they both have workhorse bodies. You know, Fontenot and Mangum are definitely the bigger running backs outside of Joe Davis, who's probably redshirting. Yeah, at wide receiver depth, depth, and more depth. It's pretty incredible. Maurice Bell, it sounds like, was just putting on a show out there, and we don't know how much he's going to be able to get on the field. Right. Yeah. Daniel Arias was the last guy off the practice field almost every day. He'd get the jugs machine and would just sit there by himself and catch balls for a half an hour. Uh, Katie Nixon, we already know what he brings. LaVisca Chenault, we already know what he brings. Tony Brown, Mr. Consistency. Mm-hmm. And Levante Chenault, uh, missed assignments here and there, but it sounds like He'll at least play in four games this season because he's got right. talent. Yeah, I think the four-game redshirt thing, is that's so much fun. That's What an amazing rule. That's one of the best rules the NCAA has come up with. Get some of those guys some PT, and okay, if they really really start to flash, all right, well, then we'll get them in the rotation. And if it's okay, we have six guys we love, we can wait on them until next year. I mean, I'd be pretty happy with seven guys playing amongst this wide receiver grouping. That's pretty rare in college football for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Tony's your consistent guy. 
KD's going to be probably your, you know, he's going to run a lot of flies, maybe do some sweeps, that type of stuff. And they, they're going to move him inside and outside to try to get Dimitri Stanley on the field more, it sounds like. So I think that's going to be a fun group to watch. Yeah, you mentioned Stanley there. What are your expectations? Is is that – Jay McIntyre was pretty solid in that role. Yeah. Is, is he on par with that and then I, maybe by the end of the year will be better? Yeah, I think he has a chance to be better. I mean, he's definitely more explosive. Yeah. They're, they're going to be slot guys, but they do different things. You know what I mean? Like Jay was really reliable, ran really crisp routes, really good on third down. I think there's going to be some games where there's a weak nickelback and they're just going to feed Dimitri Stanley because he's going to be unguardable in some situations. I really do think he's going to be an explosive, explosive player for us. At tight end, Brady Russell overtakes Jalen Harris as the number one. I still think they're both going to play a lot of football, yeah. not all that important. Bo Bisharat's going to have a role on this team based on everything I've heard, and Darian Jones is going to have a role too. I think Jared Poblowski's there too, but I, I think those top four guys are the ones that you're going to see play this yeah. year. And it's not surprising to me that they have – I think they'll probably play all four. and it, you know They want to be more physical, so they're going to get some two tight end sets probably out on the field and rotate those guys in and out. I think what's nice is they do different things well. I mean, obviously Harris is a little more of an explosive athlete. Brady Russell's a little bit more reliable, especially in the block in the blocking game. Even though we've heard Harris is good there too. So, would you believe that Brady Russell would beat Jalen Harris in a race? Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he's definitely bigger. Oh yeah. So he looks like zone. an NFL. He's probably going to play more in the red zone. You would have to think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they use, use those guys. I hope they just get a couple catches. Honestly, <laughs> throw the yeah. ball across the middle. Were you surprised at all that Brady Russell was one? Not really. I mean, he because he's, every coach loves a Brady Russell. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to wow you every day in practice. He doesn't make mistakes. He's super technical in everything that he does. It really doesn't surprise me that much because it was the same thing last year. You just kept hearing about Brady Russell every single day. Like we expected, Arlington Hambright's going to start at left tackle. William Sherman on the right side. The two questions were, who's going to start at left guard? It's going to be Kerry Cush former Juco transfer. And the other question was, who's going to man center? They settled with Lenat there and Colby Purcell at right guard. Just your overall thoughts. Uh, Nothing surprising. Uh, Casey Roddick was banged up a little bit during camp. Otherwise, I think he would have had more of a run at that starting left guard job. So do you think he's going to play? It wouldn't surprise me at some point this season, but the way Coach Cap kind of broke it down was, this is my group right now. Until someone proves to me they can't handle it or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, that... If the stage proves to be too big on game day, because as he put it, I put a lot of pressure on these guys, but right. no pressure like they're going to face. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that we all have felt pretty confident in those six guys, you know, and one obviously was going to be left out. I'm a little surprised that they're putting Lineot back at center because there were definitely some snap issues the last time he started there. Um, that year there was definitely – He didn't, some, hadn't practiced a ton there at that yeah. point, though. I mean – Obviously, he's seen a lot more than I have, and he knows a lot more than I do about offensive line. So I'm sure he's made the right decision. I think we were all just kind of expecting it to be the other way around. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, those two guys were going to be starting. It was just a matter of at which position. Um, so, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it's definitely – it can't be worse in the last couple of years. So we'll see how much improvement there is. I really do feel like if they, if they are a pleasant surprise for this team, the offense should be really, really good. You mentioned uh, Casey Roddick. He'll be a, a depth piece there. Frank Phillip, of course, right. will be a depth piece at tackle. And it sounds like Jack Shutek, a guy that's practiced at four positions, a walk-on that might be placed on scholarship, 
at some point here soon. Yeah, they, so they're down to 82. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. So they have a couple guys that they could probably get scholarships. We usually hear about that right before game week. So Brian asked Mel Tucker about that the other day, and he said, we'll let you know. <laughs> you don't you don't follow up with Mel Tucker when he yeah. looks at you and says, we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving over to defense. Again, nothing unexpected here. Jalen Sammy, nose tackle, Mustafa Johnson, Terrence Lang, your starters. You knew there was going to be youth as your depth there. Naeem Rodman is somewhat surprisingly the true freshman that made the biggest impact during camp. Or not surprisingly because yeah. he played uh, St. John Bosco. Bosco. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely the competition increase was probably the least for him of almost anybody that came in this year. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stand out right away, but they play ballers every single week, you know, so... That definitely helps. I mean, I loved him. I loved his film. I was, we were all wondering how he had no offers, basically, coming out of such a big program. Uh, so that wasn't a huge surprise for me. Was he the one that was listed at 235, though? It was an accident. No, that was Lloyd Murray Jr. Oh, Lloyd Murray, yeah, yeah. 235. Who's actually 315. I like, yeah, I was like, wait a second. There, <laughs> I've seen him before. There is no way that dude weighs 235. Yeah, so they, uh, you know, they're going to be young, and obviously some of the JUCO guys were a little bit banged up in that mix, too, so... Maybe not quite as deep as we were hoping for there, but, I mean, the top three, A, are all really good, and B, mesh with each other really well. I mean, obviously, Terrence Lang and Mustafa Johnson are very different players, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and then they have a mauler in the middle. So I think that has a chance to be a pretty special group. Do you? Okay. I'm more pessimistic there. Just, I haven't seen Jalen Sammy play football yeah. since high yeah, school. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But, I mean, I don't know. Mel Tucker seems like the kind of guy who, um, you know, he, he knows what it takes to be a physical specimen. And I feel like everybody said pretty positive things about Sammy so far. So we'll have to see. I mean, it was kind of a similar situation to Javier Edwards. So he's like, oh, he's big. How could this go wrong? And the first year definitely yeah. was a bit of a struggle. I'm hoping we see more of a year two Javier Edwards out of Jalen Sammy this year. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's realistic. We'll see. We'll see. Tucker wants a rotation of eight or nine defensive linemen. That's just not happening in year right. one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they had to bring in so many guys, and you can't hit 100% on all those. You know what I mean? Austin Williams, another depth piece there, listed second as a true freshman. Again, to concern, he was an offensive lineman in high school, and now you're relying on him to be one of your top five defensive linemen? I don't know. Color me concerned, Tyler. Moving to outside linebacker, Carson Wells. Mel Tucker said is the most underrated guy on the team. We actually had him ranked, what, sixth on our top yeah, countdown, I mean, so he wasn't underrated to We've us. been calling him underrated since he committed. Yeah. I mean, pretty much right. We saw him at that camp before he even had an offer, and we were like, wow, this dude is a special athlete. Uh, people kind of threw him under the bus. I remember. I don't remember who did this, whether it was – I'm not going to say it was Ralph Report because I don't think it was, but somebody did that article where, like, said talking about how he wasn't even going to make the team do you remember that that bleacher report maybe yes yeah something like that where we were like blew up at the writer for saying something so ridiculous and we were like this kid's good he's gonna play in year one and now he's our best pass rusher and i don't think it's really that close so yeah alex changham had the best camp out of those other guys and Mm -hmm. and that's why he's he's listed as a starter but i don't think you're gonna see two traditional outside linebackers on the field at the same time a ton yeah um and then Numutu follow and uh, Jacob Collier ran out of the depth. We'll we'll talk more about this because we got asked a question about outside linebackers in the mailbag. At inside backer, 
we know Nate Landman is a stud, a great leader, a great everything. Uh, I just, I mean, I'd really prefer that he not gets ejected this year for some bad hits. They That's need what him. we need. <laughs> they need him on the field not only because of his play making ability, but also because he's got to get other guys lined up. He's the one that knows his defense more than anybody. And next to him is going to be probably John Van Deest on Friday night. Josh Allen listed his backup, but I talked to Ross Ells this week, and he also mentioned Marvin Hamm, Akeel Jones, and Quinn Perry. He said, I said, is this going to be kind of a week-by-week thing? And he goes, it's going to be minute-by-minute. And he said, none of these five guys are ready. And he made some some comment like, good thing we've got a few more days here. But uh, he was very blunt about that. I wonder if it was just a bad practice or something. Because that's not exactly what we've been hearing most of camp. You know what I mean? Like, I think there was question marks here, but it seemed to me like that's a more direct uh-oh than we have heard before. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't have – we haven't seen a lot of those guys on the field. There's been some injury issues next to Landman throughout the years. So um, we'll have to see how it shakes out. I mean, I do think there's a lot of talent you know potential in that group so hopefully somebody does step up and kind of takes down that spot obviously john van deest works harder than anybody local kid has fought through all these injuries you just want to see him play right and play well yeah. that would be great uh so hopefully that's how it plays out yeah he but, was was it what was the game last year umass where not umass he had a he, he played a new lot hampshire? more new hampshire that's what it was he played a lot in that second half, and he had a couple really nice plays, but then, of course, gave up that long touchdown pass at some point, too. So we'll have to see how it shakes out. But I'm looking forward to watching him and seeing how it all, you know, I, I want him to do well, obviously. Yeah. Josh Allen is a physical guy, good athlete, but Nate Lamon is basically having to tell him what to do on every play, and that's fine. But, again, what happens if Nate Lamon gets knocked out for a play or two? And, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, it was like that with Drew Lewis for a while, too. But there was definitely some issues there. So, I mean, it's you got to get those guys ready to rock. The star position is where Davion Taylor has transitioned to. He says he's really struggling in coverage. Yeah. Tyson Summer says maybe he's being too hard on himself. It's a concern for sure because he was more natural in the buff backer. Exactly, yeah. that's kind of It doesn't seem like a great fit for him, which makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm wondering, I mean, could he play inside? I wonder if they've cross-trained him a little bit if one of those other positions don't work well, out. Well, he's been working with the safeties because he's trying to get that coverage aspect right. down. So he hasn't been really cross-trained from what I understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah, I would be interested to see how that shakes out because that would be too bad because he was really starting to come into his own in the buff backer role last year. I was really excited for that. Um so, yeah, I mean, coverage-wise, I don't think that's his strength. You know, you, you want to use his athleticism going to attack the ball carrier. So we'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out. And there was uh, somebody on that depth chart that I was a little bit surprised by. And now it's escaping me. Uh, it was Dylan, Dylan Thomas, Thomas was third on, yeah. on, at the star. Yeah, so they, I'm surprised they don't have more guys that are really trying to cross-train into that star. Because if Dylan Thomas, who is two weeks away from being a wide receiver, is playing star, that's going to be tough. Yeah, Mark Perry is listed as the backup there. Yeah, and similar thing with uh, Josh Allen. He's a really good athlete, and he just still learning. He's a true yeah. freshman. Yeah, I mean, you could tell in the open practice that he was not in the wrong. He was thinking a lot. You know, he was thinking a lot out there. So I was like, oh man, we might have to temper our expectations a little bit here. Cornerback is maybe one of the most interesting positions on the whole team. You've got Delrick Abrams Jr., who you feel good about could maybe even play himself into being in the all-conference discussion. 
Chris Miller came back from injury this spring, and it sounded like he got better as camp the preseason went along. And then Mikai Blackman wins the other starting job opposite Abrams. Ball Hawk, they should be pretty good there as long as nobody gets hurt. Yeah, it seems like they feel really comfortable with three guys, which is great until one of those guys gets hurt. Then <laughs> you yeah. get really nervous. Um, I'm almost a little bit surprised that they haven't you know, said one of those guys will play the star. Makai well. Blackman has been practicing inside yeah. too. So, so I, you know, I'm hoping that they can move those guys around based on you know matchups. Not everybody's wide receiver core is the same. So, yeah. The most interesting story from corner was the fact that Tariq Luckett moved from receiver over to cornerback a couple weeks into camp, and then it was like almost every practice for a while. You talk to guys about who's standing out, and Tariq Luckett's name kept coming up. Yeah. Mel Tucker even joked, hopefully we don't coach him down. I asked Rivera's Tillman, the cornerback's coach, about him, and he said, he's going to be a really good player. I said, is he ready to play right now? He said, no, but a couple weeks. It's just more him knowing the calls. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, there's times I have to literally just tell him, this is what you have to do on this play. Yeah. A couple weeks once he gets that down. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he was playing wide receiver. <laughs> so another one of those situations where, yeah, it's probably not realistic to expect him to be ready right now. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully down the line, if they can get away with playing him in less than four games and getting him as a redshirt next year, that could be a lot of fun. My question, though, is why wasn't he at cornerback from day one? You knew he wasn't going to play receiver this year. Right. He told me when he signed he didn't know what side of the ball he was going to play on. That yeah. should have been day one, and he would have it down yeah, more maybe, at this point. Maybe they just saw him early on in the practice and were like, ooh, this team. maybe he just didn't play well. And they're like, all right, let's keep him at receiver for now. But, yeah, it seems like pretty quickly he's bounced back. So, And at safety, uh, Aaron Maddox, healthy, added some good weight to his frame. Yeah, and I, I think we had predictions on who would start at safety for a while, and I had Maddox up there. He, he just – he was – he flashed in games last year when he was undersized and kind of thrown into the mix a little bit. Had some bonehead penalties, but – Athleticism-wise, he looked good. Now he's bigger. Now he looks like he can withstand that contact. So to me, it's like he seems pretty likely to be the starting guy, and it did end up going that way. And for whatever reason, I like him a lot. So it'll be I'm excited for him, and I hope that it really works out for him. He's got a lot of swagger to him. I like yeah. his moxie out there. Yeah. He said the the taunting stuff's not going to happen again. And I mean, I, I don't know what Mel Tucker would do to him if that <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. happened. <laughs> Mel Tucker's exactly. already said you're not allowed to trash talk. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mel Tucker was asked, because of the Miami turnover chain, he was asked, like, do you have anything special like that? And I assumed Mel Tucker would just say, absolutely not, because he's... They like do he it says, at Georgia, though. Yeah, so, that's, that's right. That's yeah. kind of why the reporter asked it. Yeah. But he keeps saying, all meat and potatoes, no French pastry, no trash talk, no music at practice. But he kind of, like, he didn't answer the question yes or no, but it seemed like he kind of hinted that they are going to have something for takeaways. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that it, that's the right strategy until we win. You know, you can start bringing that stuff in as a reward for, okay, we're finally getting this stuff done, you know? Would it be kind of cool if we had, like, the Ralphie handler? There's got to be something associated <laughs> with that. Got to make it somehow Ralphie specific. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, with the music thing, if I'm the yeah. coach. Hey, fellas, you want to hear music? Win a Pac-12 championship. Exactly. Go ball. I mean, maybe that's a little much, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, improve somewhere, some way. 
Mikhail Unu, the other uh, right. Unu, so the other he was not safety. listed as a starter, and we all kind of he's probably just got to get used to the defense. So no real surprise that he's worked his way up there. I think Rakestraw was listed number two behind Maddox, well, right? But ahead of him originally, right? Right, right. So I mean, I think that it seems like they feel pretty comfortable with Rakestraw too. Every time I watch him, I haven't been as confident. But if they could have three safeties that they really like, plus Mark Perry, hopefully will get there too. Um, that would be you'd have to start feeling a little bit better about what you've got going on there. Isaiah Lewis also in the mix there. Yeah, he's definitely kind of like that NJ follow depth piece. Like yeah. reliable guy will probably play on special teams, but probably don't want him to be your starter. Yeah. Specialist, nothing uh, too exciting happening there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they're both really good. That's pretty exciting. I've watched a lot of bad special teams at CU throughout years. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought um, – you know, we'll see. A, I'm not quite as sure about kicker Stefano. If he's healthy, we'll probably he get is back. To, yeah, get back to being the way that he looked early on. He was six of nine last year, and he was never healthy. Yeah, yeah. And so Kenny, every time I've seen Kenny so far, I mean, he's mauling the ball. So I have a pretty good, you know, hope that he can be really good this year, and that can definitely win you a game or two. Sometimes it, all it takes is just not, you know, flubbing punts. We already gave JT Bale the long snapper enough love in our analysis videos, Brian and I, so let's move along. Arizona. Oof. That was ugly. I guess, I don't know, man. It, it was so much like our game, especially if it ended at, like, the one-yard line, too, and I was just like, oh, my God. I, th- I think I can put that loss to rest now because I watched somebody else do it. But, oh, yeah. man, there was very reminiscent of what, what was that, 2013, 14? I've tried to block that yeah, out of my memory. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm, at this point, I used to defend the Pac-12, and, you know, I can't anymore. I'm over it. I started switching last year to just, until you prove to me that you can win anything meaningful, I just don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. The league is bad until you prove to me otherwise. So, before camp, I predicted Colorado was going to go 6-6. Six and six. You said 5-7. and seven. Yep. Are you going to stick with that? Yeah, I am. And to all the readers out there, I promised that I would convince Adam to not change his pick. But he's going to say whatever he wants into this microphone, and I can't do anything about it because he does all the editing. So <laughs> I was more worried that camp optimism would seep in, and I would go, you know what? I think they're going to go 7-5. and five. That didn't happen. Now, before I freak CU fans out, I'm going to say first – I am more optimistic about this coaching staff and the future of the CU program now after covering preseason camp than I was before, but I'm a little bit more pessimistic on this first season than I was going in. Why? Defensively, just too many breakdowns. That's saying you're only as good as your weakest link. You're going to have injuries throughout the course of the season, and there's going to be guys that are just probably not quite ready on defense that are going to have to play a lot of snaps for this team. So I think I'm going to change my prediction and, and join you in the 5-7 and seven group. Oh, my God. Meltdown upcoming. But what, is, stampede but what does my prediction actually matter? Nothing. Nothing. Because we do it wrong every single year. So. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been right. <laughs> I mean, I with, with individual games. I feel games. like I've picked five and seven every year for <laughs> the last ten years of my life. Within the last two years, you were spot on. I think I did actually get last year right. Okay. But 
I didn't exactly have us going five and zero and then zero and seven. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. We don't. Arizona looks looked horrible. We don't know how good UCLA is going to be. We don't know how good Arizona State's going to be. We Did don't you know see how good FBI. I think it was has UCLA winning the South. No, like come on, man. I literally just got off of a podcast where I was freaking out about their over-under being six, which is way too high in my opinion. Okay. And then I saw that the next day, and I was like, what am I missing? They're still, they still believe Chip Kelly has some magic where I think everybody else is kind of selling stock on him. They have no talent. They have like five guys who are decent. Wasn't their recruiting class this past year like one Bad. of the worst in program history? Yeah. I don't understand it, but um, that means they'll probably go nine and three. So. <laughs> And that'll be fun Thursday, I think, Cincinnati, right? They yeah, travel up exactly. There. That's part of the reason why I was so concerned about the six over under win total. They could literally go 0-3 and in their non-conference. They have Cincinnati, I think, San Diego State, and Oklahoma. They could easily lose all yeah. three of those games. All right, let's jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag. Con9321 asked, What have you heard about the Rams in the offseason? Anything of note? I don't want to come in too overconfident, but I think it's going to be a beatdown. 50 to 10 type of game. Go Buffs. Good question there. Tyler, I was going to ask you about your expectations going into this year's Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, is CSU really going to be as bad as, as people expect? I mean, I don't really know because I don't waste my time talking or looking up CSU, but I will say normally every year there's some buzz about, okay, this guy looks really good in camp, or this they have had a wide receiver who's been pretty much exceptional the last three or four years at the very least. There has been nothing. Warren Jackson's to, gotten some buzz. Yeah, a little. But he's not going to go to the NFL guy type prospect, I don't think, that I've seen anywhere right now. So, I don't know. I can't – they don't – there's nobody on that roster that scares me even one bit it should be a beat down. 50 to 10 is overly confident because that's a real mauling. You'd have to try to score that many points. But if this game is close, or God forbid if we lose it, it is going to be a bad day. I saw that somebody did a rundown. Maybe it was Athlon or somebody of the top 30 players in the Mountain West. The only CSU player listed on that was their punter, Ryan Stonehouse, oh, yeah. I think is Who is? Yeah, he was one of the best in the country. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Not even Warren Jackson was on it. Oh man. No. Wow. They they well, do have go. they do have uh, a couple good tight ends, but I wouldn't come in too overconfident because we still have questions about the CU that, team. Yeah, that's but. always how I feel like we lose the game. But this is definitely, in my opinion, based on everything that I have seen, this is one of the more talented CU teams of the last decade and one of the least talented CSU teams. And it's been a whoop in the last couple years. Yeah. So there should be no reason that it's close. The line has started to creep up finally, but I really should have put my mortgage on the 10.5. If it is a close game, or God forbid CU loses, I mean, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I mean, that's how it always works. I don't think this year maybe even more so than anything, though, more so than a typical year just because CSU is supposed to be so bad. Right. Three and a half over under wins in the Mountain West? Yeah, that's bad. Are we. We did this last year, I think, for the preseason pod. They haven't CU has not lost to CSU and been better than three and nine in like twenty years. So it usually is a pretty good. If you lose to CSU, this team sucks. That's really the only way that you can say it. So I really hope that doesn't happen. I mean, obviously they do sneak one in on us every once in a while, and it's been a while. But uh, it would be nice if we didn't have to start a new coaching era. Really upset 
Yeah. I'd like to avoid that for at least one week. <laughs> Border Patrol Buff asked, what percentage of the playbook do you think is installed? Will they limit the playbook for CSU to avoid too many miscues? If so, by when would you guess it will be complete? I can't answer this in terms of a percentage. I do know that they dialed back a little bit at some point this preseason, both offense and defense. And I think that's natural, right? You throw all the stuff at the kids, see how much they absorb, and then you kind of dial it back to where your comfort level is with them being able to manage I would say that, I mean, installed probably more than they'll use against CSU. I'll say that for sure. I mean, they're definitely going to try to keep some stuff under wraps for that Nebraska game. Obviously, the first quarter will tell you a lot. You know, if they have to start bringing stuff out to put the game away, they probably will. But I think they're probably going to hope, okay, we can just dominate and keep some of this stuff under wraps. You would think most of the playbook has to be installed at this point, though. If it's a, a number less than 80%, you have to feel pretty concerned about this team just not getting it. Chase5857 asked, what secondary would you guys prefer between 2018 and this year? Does our defense drop off this year or perform similarly to last year? Well, I mean, injuries obviously have a lot to do with this. It, Obviously, we expected Evan Worthington to be healthy last year. So if I could get a healthy Evan Worthington, that probably moves him up a bit for me. But that's not reality. That's not what they played with most of the year. There was injuries all across the cornerbacks throughout the season, too. So I guess I would take this year's group because right now we have healthy versions of those players. I would lean towards it's kind of a wash. Yeah. In my opinion, I don't think there's a big difference either either yeah. way there. And they were a little bit probably they probably were better than expected last year, especially given Evan being hurt. So if they could improve on that, I mean they're going to end up being pretty solid there. So they were they ranked fifth in the Pac-12 in yeah. total defense last year and ninth in scoring defense. So obviously they they weren't as good when other teams got in the red zone. Yeah, I think it was close though. I think there was like kind of a tight bunch. Okay. In that range, too. But, yeah. I, w- I would be very, very surprised if CU ranks in the top half of the conference in total defense again this year. I don't think that's in the cards. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would say that they – I think there is a, a drop-off because of the defensive line drop-off. And uh, Say what you will about Rick Amboa. He was a smart player. Yeah. And, um, he, you know, it's kind of the captain of the defense. So And Davion Roll that maybe suited him better. Drew Lewis was a good player. Uh, Evan Worthington, yeah, he had the concussion issues. I uh, didn't really practice last spring or last camp, but as the season went on, he got better. Uh, so, yeah, towards the end. I mean, Delrick missed like three or four games, right? Last he year. did, and um, Chris Miller got hurt. Yeah, he missed most of the year, and uh, Dante Wigley missed time. I mean, they were definitely like rotating guys in and out in that secondary. It was kind of a hodgepodge. I will say, if CU finishes fifth. In the Pac-12 in total defense, they're going to a bowl game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree with that 100%. Dorno9 asked, hindsight being 2020, would we have been better off if Dimitri Stanley played corner instead of receiver? Will the Visca jet sweep be part of the offense, or will it be retired? Two very different questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not really a follow-up there. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because I think Dimitri Stanley is going to be really special on offense. And we didn't get to see him on defense, so who knows what he could have become. I mean, yes, obviously there's more need for cornerbacks than there is for wide receivers, but that doesn't necessarily mean he, you keep him at corner. 
uh, I think he's going to be really, really special. And he's young, too. I mean, he's a freshman, right? Did he get the red yeah, shirt last year? Yeah, he only year? played in four games. Yeah, so, so he's gonna, we have him on offense for four years, and he's an electric player. So yeah. it's hard to really complain about what we've gotten out of him on the offensive side of the ball. I think the only way you'd say it's better if he played corner is if there's a ton of injuries at cornerback right. this year. And I don't know. Maybe they can switch him. I don't know. We'll see how things play out. But I can't imagine they will. He's a big part of their offense. With LaVisca Chenault, all I know is it's the offense is not going to just be the LaVisca Chenault show week in and week out. Yeah. They've made a, an emphasis that they are going to get other guys the ball and, and – you would imagine at times that means LaVisca Chenault being a decoy, right? Yeah. And maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like they used KD on that jet sweep a lot more than they used Visca. Is Am I wrong there? It seemed like that was – they used him in the backfield a lot, obviously, and for handoffs and for um, Wildcat and that kind yeah. of stuff. But, and, they, and they did use him on the jet sweep occasionally, but I feel like they used KD on that a lot. That's not really – going to be a focal point of their offense i would hope going not. multiple and I mean, yeah anytime you watch a team go side with sideline to sideline all the time like we were last year it gets pretty frustrating so yeah. jdub925 asked do you think montez has the ability to lift this team up if they're down i think back to the nebraska game when james stefano missed a couple field goals yeah mm-hmm. who who is the one that yeah. was going over to james and lifting him back up yeah with steven yeah i do think that the noise around him being immature is probably a little bit oversold at this point like there were times in his career where he definitely had that about him and he's he's not Cepho and but you know you obviously want all your quarterbacks to be Cepho but that's unrealistic I mean is is he perfect in that regard no he's definitely not but yeah I would say it seems to me that the players respect him on the field and respect his talent level so that's important yeah he's going into his fifth year in Boulder I have not once heard somebody say he's a bad teammate right yeah i mean he's not perfect and he's definitely not huge into that leadership role but you know i don't think too many guys would have followed up cepho well there i think steven would go back and change a few things yeah i think yeah i'm sure he would but most guys would you know throughout their career I.A. Buff asked, how effective do you think the second-string defense alignment will be? Also, we'll see you cover 13 points this week. He's looking for a little betting advice, Tyler. I have CU, so take that as you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How effective will the second-string D lineman be? Well, I would like to think pretty. You know, I mean, it's the answer is we don't know because we haven't seen any of them play. But I would like, if they're not effective against CSU, they're not really playable. So well, I guess we'll find out and see. It's a lot of freshmen. Uh, maybe those Juco guys will be healthy and can definitely help out a little more rotation-wise. We'll just have to see. It's, I can't really answer that question for sure. It's not fair that Mel Tucker, Jimmy Brumbaugh, Tyson Summers, and frankly even these true freshmen are put in this position. But it's yeah, you know the situation the, the last staff presented them with, right? So. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I don't expect their second string defensive line to be very good, but don't hammer those guys either. Right. D line's hard. It's hard to recruit good guys for one, and it's especially hard to play in year one. You don't see that that much around college football. Even even the guys who end up being top ten picks, most of those dudes did not play as freshmen. Now part of that is because they're at Alabama and they had five stars in front of them too, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's it takes a little bit of time to get used to that level. You know, a high school line might have one guy who's 300 pounds, and usually that guy sucks, can't move a muscle, you know what I mean? To have all five of those guys in front of you who are Division One athletes, obviously it's a little bit of a different transition. 6635 Bam asked, how much do you see them going four wide this year? Seems that hands down the most explosive position group is the receivers, and I hope it is not a pipe dream to see Visca, KD, Stanley, and Arius all on the field together, especially if the line can protect Montez. Yeah, that's going to be part of it, obviously, the line play. Um, I think you know they're probably going to try to attack some weak secondaries too. If they feel like they can get an advantage putting four people out there, they probably will. I don't think it will be their base package or anywhere close to it. Yeah, I, I think it will just depend on the situation. Yeah, You're going to see two tight ends on the field sometimes. You're going to see Steven Montez under center. You're going to see him out of the pistol. You're going to see him out of the shotgun. You're going to see a lot of different looks. And And obviously time will dictate that too. Two-minute drill, yeah, you're probably going to have four wide a lot of the time. You're down four late in the game, that kind of stuff too. Buff Predictor asked, in which ways do you project this year's team to be stronger slash better than the 2018 version? Please provide one example for offense, defense, and special teams with a bonus in coaching. Thanks, guys. So special teams has got to be kicker, right? Because right. James Stefano was hurt last year. Yeah, back healthy. Well, even Kenny, I guess, was. So, But I think there's more of a probably more of a drop-off with Stefano. Well, those guys did okay. Yeah, honestly, the special teams was kind of a pleasant surprise yeah. last year, given all the injuries we had, for sure. Would you say kicker or punter there would be more of an Kicker, I would say. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Offense, I'd I say mean, maybe O-line. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's it can't really get – sorry, I'm leaning away from the mic. Can't really get worse. And the talent level suggests to you that they have to be better, you would think. So, yeah, that's the obvious answer there. You could um, say tight end, but that has more to do with the fact that they're right, just going to be get used more. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, Brady Russell's still your guy for the most part there, so it's it's more or less the same player. I mean, they have more depth for sure, but, yeah, it's got to be offensive line. Defense is more challenging. Yeah, it it's is not for sure. defensive line. I'd I, say maybe pass rush in general because you're going to play Carson Wells more. Mustafa is a guy who can get sacks. Terrence Lang is going to be playing more, and he's definitely a pass rush specialist too. So maybe the – I mean, I know they were one of the worst teams in the country in terms of sacks last year, so – Maybe that's what I would say, not one specific player. You, you could also say maybe takeaways, too. Yeah, with sure. With Makai Blackman back sure, there. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, Tyler, last year, Javier Edwards, his senior year was pretty darn good, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, definitely. Israel Antoine didn't get a lot of stats, but he did his job in the trenches. Mm-hmm. He didn't get moved. Do you think that aided Mustafa Johnson a lot? And is it going to be harder for Mustafa Johnson to have the season like he did a year ago? next to a first-year nose tackle in Terrence Lang, who has a lot of promise, but he's still transitioning from being a specialist to a every-down type yeah. of guy. I mean, we'll see. Terrence Lang's development is going to say a lot about this answer for sure. I mean, if he can become more of a complete guy, and he definitely has the size to do it. Yeah, I think it's partially that, and I think it's partially people didn't know Mustafa Johnson last year. I mean, you're definitely going to see some double teams on Mustafa Johnson until somebody else proves themselves. But if you double Mustafa, Carson Wells is going to have some work behind him too. So, you know, I think I think that's part of it as well. So one of those guys is going to have to step up. Oli Buff asked, have you seen an attitude change on the offensive line? And do you believe we will be able to run the ball against T. 
teams like Washington or USC when needed. Well, even yeah. in 16, they couldn't run the ball against Washington, yeah, so well, that might be a stretch. Bad then too. Yeah, exactly. I've been. I don't think you're going to go from not being able to run against anyone to all of a sudden being able to run against Washington. That seems like an unrealistic jump. So I guess the second part is no. I think the goal is can we run the ball on the middling teams in the Pac-12 because that's where you can separate yourself and become bowl eligible. That should be the goal for this season. As far as an attitude change, I mean, they always say that they want to be more physical, and we have not seen anything close to that in what feels like my lifetime. So (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. But, yeah, I mean – Certainly in terms of coaching, oh, yeah. Clayton Adams versus Cap is a little bit of a different mindset in terms of, you know, just overall demeanor. Would love to sit down and, and have a beer with Clayton Adams. But Coach Cap, that is an offensive line coach yeah. right there. Yeah, I like him quite a bit yeah. for sure. I hope that works out because he's the type of dude that should have success. Golf Pro Buff asked, over under – Number of family trees making up 15,000-plus Nebraskans at Folsom Field. And he sets the line at 4.5. I'm not even touching this, otherwise my Twitter notifications are going to go nuts. Come on, this is funny. That's a weak line, though. Like, what am I supposed to say, obvious under? My my fiancé's family will be there, so there will be at least one. <laughs> it's going to be over, but I like your premise. I like I like the, the trash you be talking. <laughs> I wanted to wear a shirt that just says nice guys finish last. Do you think people would get that? Probably not. Oh, come on. It'd be so funny. They just love being nice. Blue Sky Buff asked, who is the starting quarterback in 2020? Will Montez be drafted? I say yes. I mean, it depends on how he plays. Steven Montez is getting drafted. Yeah, I agree, and I've said that for a couple years now. He should be drafted. His talent level suggests that he should be drafted. So if he doesn't get drafted, you have no one to blame but him, basically. He's going to get in that combine setting, and they're going to drool all over his physical tools. Yeah, exactly. Big guy, pretty fast for a quarterback as well. Obviously has a huge arm, you know. So, yeah, I, I would have to imagine he will get drafted. And he has LaVisca. There's really no excuses for him this year. He, I, I looked the other day. I don't think he's ever thrown 20 touchdown passes. 19. Yeah, which is insane. There's no reason he should be anywhere close to that this year. Starting quarter, I don't know. I'm kind of focused on Friday night, Tyler. Yeah, that's a long ways out. Maybe they don't even play for us yet. How about this as a scenario, just to play along with this question? Their quarterback isn't on campus, and it's also not the high school quarterback, Brendan Lewis, that's committed. What about a grad transfer? Yeah, that's what I was just saying. Maybe he doesn't play for the team. That's kind of my thought right now, too, because unless one of those other guys steps up, they're going to have a pretty big hole there. Yeah, I'd almost put even odds on yeah. everything. Lytle, Stenstrom, Lewis, yeah. somebody we don't even know about at this point. Ugly Rat asked, Adam, you mentioned on Clark Company that you are concerned about the defensive backs. Is it a lack of talent or just youth or a lot of both? I would say more youth, especially when you're talking about depth. Yeah, and experience overall, too. Yeah. I mean, guys who are young and also don't play corner or have not played corner. So. And, and I also think that they don't have a Mustafa Johnson or a Nate Landman type of talent in the secondary, which is yeah. part of it, too. It's definitely both. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that there's been a lot of injuries. Chris Miller has had an injury history with us. Delrick Abrams less so, but he definitely missed some time as well. So you can't really say, all oh, those guys will for sure be out there for you. That's what's tough to me. Andrew S. Buff 1 asked, 
With as little playing experience as Changham has, how did he beat out Collier and Follow for the outside linebacker job? So uh, we talked about this before we got on the air. This one doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, no offense to Callier, but he's always been kind of a guy that I thought was middle of the road at best. I, I never really saw the hype surrounding him. He's solid as a pass rusher, but that's all he can really do, and he's undersized. So I, I've never really loved him. Follow, to me, is a perfect depth guy. Special teams, he does everything well. He's going to be in the right spots. He can he can play the run a little bit, but he's not a freak athlete. He's not going to get to the quarterback that often. So that's a guy that you want to be your backup, you know, and guy that makes an impact on special teams. So Chingham obviously is a freak athlete, big frame, fast guy. It doesn't surprise me at all, really, that he won that other job. But I don't. He's not going to play a ton. That position is not going to be on the field for us in a base package most of the time. So, and he mentioned it with as little experience as he has. Well, that means that he had much more upside than those other guys coming right. into this offseason. That's off season, part right? of the reason why we liked him so much. Yeah. The fact that he played 90 defensive snaps and couldn't redshirt last year because he played in nine different games, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Shame on the last staff for that yeah. one because as raw as he was coming in, it's not like he had that big of a role on special teams either. No. no. So that's unfortunate for him because I think he would have a chance to come back in 2020 and be really, really good. Really good, yep. Yeah, him and Carson could be a lot of fun together. Louisville Buff asked, we have been hearing how well the passing game has been going in the scrimmages in this camp. 22 players caught a pass in one scrimmage. The receivers, even without LaVisca, dominated. Montes has looked very sharp, and all the quarterbacks have played well. Is it really the defensive backs that are bad, or is it that their defensive line is getting no pressure on the quarterbacks and the defensive backs have to cover too long? My gut feeling is the CU defense is not putting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. Well, if that's true, then the offensive line is better than we thought. Yeah, uh, I think there is a little bit of a component, too, when you're a quarterback and you're not going to get tackled in practice. You yeah. see those guys hang in the pocket longer than they would in a game. Yeah. So that that might be a little small part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, and, of course, the defensive linemen, all they say is don't hit the quarterback, don't hit the quarterback. So, you're, I mean, what are you going to do, go 100% and then all of a sudden shut it down? It just doesn't – your mindset doesn't work like that, you know what I mean? So it's definitely scrimmages are catered to the offense being successful, that's for sure. And there's no doubt the wide receiver core is better than the secondary right yeah. now. But not being in there myself to see with my own eyes, I mean, yeah, I, who knows? I don't really know how to answer this question. I do know people that I trust that are dialed in are slightly concerned about both coverage and pass rush. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Buff Ticket asked, do you think Montez will be playing with a chip on his shoulder because Martinez is getting all the love and Montez beat him last year he'll be playing with a chip on his shoulder but not because of that montez definitely has a little bit more of an edge to him but to your point it has more to do with not going to bowl game the last couple of years right. he even made a comment I mean, they lost seven in a row that's why he has yeah, a chip on yeah, his shoulder yeah that was a joke the way they finished the season and he would say that too probably he even made a comment he's like i now realize this is a business like we're judged on wins and losses. I think maybe he was a little bit naive to that coming in and was just kind of having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, he's got an edge. Martinez is getting a lot of love because he's really good, too. I mean, right, he is CU really fans good. don't want to hear I mean, come that. Come on, but. we all watched that game. He was really impressive for a freshman in his first game ever. He's yeah. an explosive athlete and could throw the ball pretty well, too. I mean, he's a very good player. Yeah. Hog11 asked, how much have they started preparing for Air Force's option? 
I don't know if it was every single day, but I know it was most days during camp. They actually had a period that was for Air Force. So and I love they, that. They've done. I don't think bit. most coaches would do that. I think you they would try to all get it, you know, crushed in in between those two games because obviously they're not going to focus on Air Force during Nebraska week. That would be unreasonable. So yeah, I like that they're trying to get that in early. You know, it had to annoy Mel Tucker that game's on the schedule, right? I'm sure. But maybe not. I mean, those are the type of things that you have to prepare for if you want to be a great program. you got to be ready for everything. All right. I did ask him about it, and he, yeah, he gave the, the perfect answer you'd want a coach to say, that he's, he's into coaching, not scheduling. And that, yeah. uh, I mean, he said the first thing out of his lips is press conferences, this is a no-excuses program. So he's definitely lived up to right. that. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, if that's, if that's, that's what losing programs worry about. Air Force options. You know what I mean? Does that make That's a good sense? Good point. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of issue with the schedule this year that he probably wouldn't have liked to walk into. But if you're like, oh man, I'm really nervous. We're playing Air Force this year. We're not where we want to be. That's true. Good point. Go Buffs. Eighty asked, "Do you think there is a position group that was stronger in 2018 versus 2019?" The only thing I can think of is defensive line or running back. As for preseason outlook, I think this is one of the most talented teams we've had in a long time. I was just wondering if I was overserved with Kool-Aid. Thanks, guys. I mean, those are the two obvious ones, probably. I mean, inside linebacker, potentially, if we don't get somebody to step up there. You, um, the you can other, make a case. The other inside linebacker position, I guess I mean. Yeah, running back, I think, would be the only one on offense you could make a case for. Defensively, yes, defensive line. I think you can make a case maybe with outside backer with Drew Lewis. Now, if Carson Wells makes a big jump this year and Changan plays okay, then then Yeah, no. and Drew Lewis was inside last year, too. Yeah, so. he played both. Yeah, I would, I would probably say inside linebacker because how much better can Nate Lamon really – he's gotten better as a leader, but he had 123 tackles last year. Not much more to go up from there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, he had 123 tackles last yeah. year. Damn, and he missed like three games because of getting kicked out of games and stuff. Damn, I don't think it was crazy. quite three. Well, he missed a game, right, because he was hurt, I think, at some point. I think he played every game. Did he? Oh, okay. I don't I have thought he missed one. In front and of then me. he got ejected three times. So it's Three out. times? I think so, yeah. I think. Okay. I think it was twice. Okay. Maybe I'm but. Was Maybe somebody else got ejected that I'm throwing in there with yeah. him. Because he got, he got ejected in that Oregon State game, right? That's like part of the reason they started coming back. And then in another game, too, I can't remember. One of them was it was a horrible call. Yeah, I but, think it was the Oregon State game. Okay. Uh, what about Star slash Buffbacker? Yeah, for That's sure. probably not as good as it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, because obviously Davion is much more catered to play the Buffbacker than the Star. What about safety? We talked a little bit about that earlier. Yeah, I mean, it, it, healthy Evan Worthington. You could say that for sure. And he had a couple games down the stretch where he was fine. But, I mean, they struggled last year, too, because he had some games where he was clearly not there. We just talked about every defensive position, not not (laughs) cornerback. So, yeah, there's some question marks on that side of the ball. There really is. Yeah. And I hope hope I'm overreacting. I would rather that than underreacting. I'd like to go to a bowl game. Fans get mad at me. Go Buffs 80. I hope I didn't uh, urinate in your Kool Aid. Puerto Rico Buff asked, does Nebraska have a state motto contest? Expected results of the Nebraska state motto contest. Wait, what? Do you re- Okay, so Nebraska's motto used to be Nebraska nice. Yeah. I'm not making this up, Tyler, and 
all the listeners, Google this. Is this the one that's not for everyone? Yes. Yeah. I saw that in their commercials, but I didn't know it was their state motto. I just thought it was like their travel joke. Well, th- that's that's where I'm going. Nebraska, it's not for everyone. You you like, can't. You didn't need to tell me that, bro. <laughs> but there's nothing that you could put together that would be better than that, right? Yeah. Did you ever see the Stephen Colbert bit on that? It's you got to Google. It's, it's funny. I almost respect it because like they're just taking ownership of this fact, and I yeah. kind of like the swag level of doing that. Yeah. But also, it's like how depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last question, HR Buff asked about Trey Udofia and when he's expected to return. I don't know. It does sound like he's going to be back on the team. have no idea what's going on. Do we know if he's going to be in the mix at safety, if that does happen? Like, it sounds like he's going to be back at some point this season. Uh, he's around, it sounds like. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. Is he just ineligible? I mean, we don't have any idea, but it's just weird. Like, so. nothing really fits into what's going on with him. I guess that would be one possibility, but I have no idea, so I don't want to yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, so. yeah, we haven't heard anything. It's just, I, I was trying to think of, like, what could, so what scenario could have occurred for this type of thing to be going on? I don't know. Yeah. Friday night, hopefully, will be a fun night. I need it. What's the I feel like we've lost every opener of every head coach ever. I'm sure that's not true, but I just want to get this series over with by demolishing them in every game. Well, they got to go to Fort Collins next Don't year. Don't care. Demolish them. What's your tailgate situation like on Friday? We're partying at the house. Okay. Because it's right next to the stadium. So what, hit what me do you up mean? if you want to go. We'll probably just do like some quick snack food type stuff. And okay. We'll bring all the alcohol. It's going to be a party. We're not trying to feed you guys. Bring your own food. <laughs> Uber Eats, man. Awesome. Well, we are over an hour now. I think we've uh, exhausted all the topics. Excited. Next podcast, we'll be talking about games. Finally. Nebraska. About Nebraska. Yeah. Let's go. That game last year was a lot of fun. It was. It's it's sad that it was, like, ruined by such a terrible ending of the year. Because I was as happy as I've been in a while. Sticking with five and seven. Five and seven. Prove me wrong in a good way, please. Am I going to catch flack for changing my prediction? I hope so. <laughs> it's almost a good omen, though, because I've I picked them yes. to go to a bowl game for yeah, a b- bunch is. of these years, and they've Trust only gone to one. So. I would much rather be wrong than right. That's what people don't get about things that I say. It's like, I have to say what I feel. I don't want you to go five and seven, man. I don't want that. Yeah. All right, well, we'll close by saying hopefully we're wrong. Thanks for tuning in. Go Buffs.